What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, have an exciting weekend of lacrosse on the horizon as four teams are left standing, and we will find out who those final two will be on Saturday as the NCAA semifinals will go down there in Hartford, Connecticut at Rensselaer Field there for a second year in a row. That championship weekend is being held there in Hartford. Before we get to the games, and we'll also talk a bit about the games last weekend as well since I wasn't able to get a podcast in there. So talk a little bit about that as we talk about the semifinals, talk about the quarterfinals. But before we get to the games, want to... <clears throat> put out some notable, uh, talk about some notable news items here as of recent in the college lacrosse world. So on the coaching front, we have John Crowley is taking over as the offensive coordinator at Johns Hopkins, obviously a 2017 Hopkins alum, he's been at Lehigh since the summer of 2019. They're uh, coaching them through that shortened 2020 season, 2021, and his third year in 2022. This is a, you know, Lehigh offense that's been pretty good. 2020, uh, 2021, they put up 14 goals per game. It was 9.4 goals per game this past season. And, had a lot of moving parts there with some multiple injuries. You know, Tommy Schelling, uh, John Sikorsky, both first team all Patriot League honors under Crowley's, uh, you know, tutelage, if you will. Scott Cole uh, was a first team guy in 2022 as well. Attackman called Coast, midfielder Andrew Eichelberger, uh, Eichelberger uh, second team. All Patriot League selections in 2021. Crowley replaces John Grant Jr., who'd been there for the first two years of the Millman era at Homewood. Announced his resignation last week via social media. So a new offensive coordinator there at Homewood will be interesting to see how that goes just based on you know there's a lot to a lot of change that that that, that likely needs to be happened uh likely needs to be had there in homewood I, you know two years in it's, uh well technically one actual like real year in um was they didn't have fall and had the stupid conference play only in 2021 um, so, so really one full, like, normal year in. Um, it, it, it's difficult to judge a staff and all that. Uh, there's definitely been some upsides. The defense has been pretty good. Uh, but we'll see what Crowley can do here on the offensive side now uh, as he, you know, takes over the Hopkins unit that I think showed some promise last year. Uh, when you look at the guys that they had, obviously Joey Epstein didn't necessarily – you know, live up maybe to the hype 
last season. We'll see. I don't know how many, if they have anybody coming back or not. I've not, uh, not looked into that on the Hopkins front. I've not heard any of that on the Hopkins front, uh, but assuming they will have some guys come back and, and they've got some really good players there on campus already that have been <clears throat> consistent playmakers there on the offensive end of the field that, you know, will be back or, uh, you know, just naturally. Uh, Jacob Angelus was, was a junior. Uh, you know, Connery Simone is obviously gone. Uh, Joey Epstein, Garrett Degnan are two guys that were seniors. We'll see what happens with them, where they go. Uh, you know, Jack Keogh is another guy that's gone. Jonathan Peshko is a guy I've talked about multiple times on here that I think they could use a lot more of. Uh, Brendan Grimes is a you know, midfielder, a, a, a sophomore there as well. I mean, so they have a number of young players, and they've got the recruits coming in this year as well. Uh, so, so we'll see what this Hopkins offense does under Crawley. Next big news item here in the transfer portal. So, actually, two big pieces of the transfer portal to talk about here. First, we'll start with uh, North Carolina here, as excuse me, with Georgetown yet again, uh, in terms of who Georgetown gets and. You know, they will be getting Nicky Solomon, the grad transfer attackman out of North Carolina. He is another Carolina to Georgetown guy. I've uh, seen multiple times. Jacob Kelly there will uh, coming in this summer. Will Bowen was there last year. He started his career at Carolina. Uh, now Nicky Solomon's coming in. And look, Nicky Solomon's coming into an attack unit and as well as Jacob Kelly, is that, uh, you know, they deepen this attacking unit. They, they really, really do. Uh, Nikki Solomon and Jacob Kelly deepen this attack unit that, look, you have, in terms of the Georgetown offense, you have a pretty good amount of talent coming back next season. Uh, Deplin McDermott has uh, confirmed to me that he will be back for a fifth season. Glenn Bundy Jr. is obviously coming back. T.J. Haley is obviously coming back as well. Connor Marin, Alex Trippi, both gone as grad students. Dylan Hess is back. And you plug into that unit, to that offense, Jacob Kelly and Nicky Solomon. Where exactly you put them? So, no, they will most likely play at that attack spot, but so we'll see how things work out there. Marin started at attack uh, most of the year alongside you know, TJ Haley and Dylan Watson. Watson is gone, and we'll talk about him here in a second. But when you just look at that, that Georgetown offense, Bundy, Haley, McDermott, Solomon, and Kelly. Just, just those guys. Like, that's a pretty dang good offense. That's a pretty dang good 
offense is a pretty dang good attack lineup. So uh, Georgetown, they ain't going nowhere, folks. They ain't going nowhere. Uh, they continue to stack up in the portal. Danny Hinks uh, coming over from Dartmouth in Cage on the back end. Uh, th- this is a program that just continues to stack talent, uh, whether it's recruiting wise or via the portal for immediate uh, return. And, you know, they're going to be back in the Big East title game. No doubt about it. Now, Dylan Watson, where's he headed? So he will not be back for a fifth, for, for a fifth season at Georgetown. He will be heading south to the 905 Duval County, playing with, with John Galloway and the Jacksonville Dolphins. And look, this I, – I, so Dylan Watson was the attackman of the year in the Big East. Fantastic inside finisher, a Guelph, Ontario native, has that box background. He's one of the best finishers inside in college lacrosse that we have today. He was a leader, the top three guy, in terms of goals per game this past season. And in terms of goals in general with 64, I mean 58 goals, 64 points, six assists. He's a guy that's going to come in. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. He's going to be an impact player immediately upon stepping foot on campus in Jacksonville. Now, he joins an attack unit, and this is insane. Max Waldbaum had 48-24 last season. Okay. Jacob Gunner uh, went 51 51 goals, 18 assists. Jackson and Tulele, 31 goals, 30 assists. And now you add in Watson, 58 goals, 6 assists. You will have an attack unit that combined this past season for 188 goals. 188 goals between Waldbaum, Garner, and Intieri. And then add Watson into that mix as well. You have 118 goals from your attack line. That's going to be your starting attack line in 2023. One of those guys, obviously, most likely going to get bumped out of that attack line there, obviously, with Watson coming in there. Um, I likely get bumped down the midfield. But, I mean, this is just a, a, a Jacksonville offense. The Dolphins, uh, you know, they're going to come into this, to the A-Sun. And, I, I mean, I think they're going to have a good chance to run the table. Just based off the talent they have. Now, God compete with Utah, God compete with RMU uh, and Air Force, but, like, they're coming in hot, and, and they're coming in with one of the best offenses in the league this uh, next spring in 2023. Uh, enough of, let's see, is there anything else we want to hit on here before we get to the games? Do not think so. Nope, we're good. Let's uh, let's head, head on over and talk about these games that are on the cusp coming up here on Saturday as the NCAA 
semifinals get underway. final round there and look I, it, it was defense that, that won this game for me it was defense it Colin coast has been phenomenal uh in this postseason he's been absolutely phenomenal and this is a records they're there for the first time in on championship weekend they were 0 seven in quarterfinal meetings all time until until last Saturday when they knock off Penn 11 to nine. And, like, you know, he had Colin Cook's 17 saves on in the first round against Harvard, 18 against the Quakers. Really, th- th- this Rutgers defense it, it, it is playing really good lacrosse. It's playing really, really good lacrosse right now. And they are, you know, you talk, everyone talks about this NASCAR offense, which. I, I can't I can't remember who said this, but I said, you know, it's a little overhyped. And I would agree with that because they don't it's not like they necessarily like, we want to do this every single time. It, it's not Brown twenty sixteen. It's not this is what we want to do, it's this is what we can do if you give us the opportunity. And on Saturday they had plenty of opportunities to do so and look within that Within that, they were able to find and, 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 and get guys that you know stepped up that maybe normally didn't. Uh, like yes, obviously you had Mitch Bartolo step up there uh, as usual. Going to Jacoby got in the mix there as well, but like you had Ross Scott gotten it got into there as well in the game as usual, but. Look, you had Dante Kuwis, Brennan Kamish there, uh, Colin, uh, uh, Cole uh, Dangager there as well, Zach Franchout, uh, who is the uh, – he's the only guy that was there in 2016. He had that woman mission where he was uh, in Russia for a few years. Uh, and then Brian Boswell, uh, the – the LSM, and Ethan Raw, uh, the defenseman. They each had pole goals, pole goals in this one um, uh, last week. So essentially your entire rope unit plus a, a starting close defenseman is all getting in on the action, is all getting in on the action. And it, it really was that aspect, <laughs> you know, even though – you know, Jamie Zuzzi's going 65% at the dot for Penn. And even though Dylan Gogol is putting up five points, Patrick Burke and Charles making so many saves, 14 saves on the day for him as well. Really good play from him and Cage this postseason. Also, I should mention, at, you have that, but, but you're able to break through the play and get above and, 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 and keep that step above the rest with that transition offense with the opportunities you get there 
in transition with these guys like a Bryant Boswell, like a Brennan Kamish, who, you know, all defensive guys, and certainly Boswell is, is much more of a defensive guy. Kamish, uh, we've talked about, started his career as an offensive guy um, and, and switched to D-Midi. And with this with this system they run transition-wise, he's able to unleash his offensive talents. You have guys like that, plus you have offensive weapons like a Ross Scott, like a Mitch Botello, that can kill you in the six-on-six. That's tough. That's tough. And, look, this is a Rutgers defense that, in the postseason, they've held teams to single digits. In in NCAA tournament, they held Harvard to single digits, I believe, in, in, in that one, or if... They did not. It was not that because uh, they won pretty handedly in that one. Okay, nineteen to nine. That's what I thought. They held Hollywood to nine. They held uh, Penn to nine. Like, this is a defense that's been playing pretty good lacrosse here as of late. Ohio State obviously got ten on them. Maryland obviously got what they wanted on them as expected. But uh, I, I think you know the thing to look at with this Rutgers. For Rutgers in this game is a can Coast continue the play he's he, he's had and b can his defense overall how are they going to attack this Cornell attack unit because but Cornell they won ten to eight and it was kind of a sloppy game um, it was a slow game. There, as they beat Delaware and and get to the semifinals for the first time since Connor Busick was a player there in 2013. Um, Look, they've got a really good, I think they've, I'll be interested to see see what the face-off situation looks like. I think Petrakis should have the edge. And I think when you talk about the clearing of the uh, ride aspect of Cornell that they hit Delaware with, they've hit multiple teams with, it, it, it's going to be hard-pressed to do that against a Rutgers team that can run and gun so well and can run the field so well. Um, but when they get the ball and they possess the ball, they're in the six-on-six, this is an attack unit, C.J. Coast, you know, leading the way there, that can really just absolutely kill you, can absolutely kill you, this attack unit for the Big Red camp. And, you know, how, how corner, of me, how Rutgers plays that attack unit, John, P, uh, John Pietelli, Michael Long, and CJ Coast, and Delaware did a, did as good of a job as anyone, uh, and and they still lost. You know, Pietelli got three. Cornell was able to get some of those open looks, as you know, they they, they really you know drew. You could tell they were focusing on Coast, and Owen Grant was on Coast, and for the majority of the day. Um, but that left John Pietelli open. And that left a guy like Spencer Wortham open. 
there, uh, you know, who, who's been a guy who's come in and, and made an impact from time to time. So th- that's with what Cornell, you kind of have to watch for. And that offense is, it's not just one guy. It's not a one-man show. It, it certainly is not. And you can't focus too much on one guy because if you do, I'll look to someone else over the hill. And, you know, to, to an extent, to an extent, that is what happened with Delaware, uh, you know, vice versa there in that game, but also saw that with Cornell as well. And Big Red get the win. Big Red get the win there. Uh, so I do think that matchup there is something to watch. And then also I mentioned Colin Coast, Chase Owen as well. Like he's been phenomenal. 15 saves. This, you know, he's going to make, he's going to make the Rutgers offense work for it. And and then also Mike Adler, like, how, like, expecting they put him on Ross Scott, like, how does he handle that matchup is going to be one of intrigue as well. So that's going to be an interesting and an exciting battle between. Rutgers and Cornell, uh, really two teams with different styles, but I think in terms of matchups in the six-on-six, I think it can be very, very interesting matchups there, very intriguing matchups there, I should say. Let's move on to, I'm starting to ramble here, guys. Let's move on to the Maryland and Princeton game. Um... We're done. No. Um, look. Uh, uh, so, Maryland just embarrassed Virginia. And I I really don't know. It, like, we've said it all year of, like, we don't know who can beat Maryland. But, like, it's different saying it now. Where there's only three other teams that can get a chance. Like those three teams that are one, Princeton's going to get a chance. Cornell and Rutgers could get a chance. Rutgers already had two chances at it. I just don't know who's going to beat them. And how you do that, it, it, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Virginia hung with them for a quarter, they turned it on. They did what they needed to do. They possessed the ball. They got stops. They, you know, had opportunities in transition. They won their matchups in the six-on-six. They moved the ball well. And Princeton, I will say, on excuse me, on Saturday, in their game on Saturday against Yale, that was impressive. That was impressive, a 14-10 win over the Bulldogs. And that eventually is a 14-12 defeat against the Bulldogs earlier on in the season. And look, like Princeton, in this game, we saw them get up pretty big. Pretty big at the half. They got up, not pretty big, sizably. Uh, sizably, we should say. And credit to Yale, 
they were able to come back in that game. And they did come back, and they played a good game. I, I will say, though, you know, the fact that Princeton can just do that to you, and what I mean by that is just constantly just get up big on you. I mean, it was eight to five at the half. You know, when they can constantly do that to you and just, boom, pull off a seven-goal run here, another run here, that is – that's impressive, and that's a dangerous, dangerous thing, uh, dangerous spot. Now, Princeton played Maryland uh, earlier on this season as well. They lost by five. They lost by five. I think Princeton, of these three teams, and I'm not demeaning Rutgers, I'm not demeaning Cornell, but I think in terms of just the style of play, match Maryland the best because Princeton, they can get out and run. They have guys like Jake Stevens that can make plays all over the freaking field. Eric Peters has been pretty dang good at cage. George Bond, Pace Billings, Colin Morshine. I mean, that is a defense that's been pretty dang good all season. And we've seen them rotate more guys in than ever these past few weeks. And they've gotten a lot of production out of a deeper defensive unit. Offensively, we've seen them be pretty deep. Sam English, Colton McAsee, Chris Brown, Christian Ronda, Alexander Bardaro. These are guys, Alex Slusher. These are guys that are all, they can all chip in. So, It's going to be a tough test, and I haven't written my my preview yet for for these games, but as I'm sitting here kind of thinking this through on the podcast here, like, I, I really don't know what, like, you would call the matchup. Like, I, I do want to see Sandoval against... At the faceoff dot against uh, what's his name, Wildman? Excuse me, against Wildman because he didn't play that game. He did not play in that early game uh, when these two played. So I do want to see that. That's going to be intriguing. I do want to see how this defense can handle the Maryland offense, or at least how well they can. Um, you know, Princeton's defense. It, it it hasn't it's been good it, it hasn't been you know the best from start to finish but but by any means uh but but it's been pretty dang good uh third best in terms of you know cause turnovers per game and when you look at scoring defenses you know though the 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 top thirty unit um in terms of scoring defenses eleven goals per game eleven point two goals per per game but they can certainly cause some havoc. And, you know, that is the area of the field, obviously, they're going to have to get – they're going to have to, you know, buckle down on that end. And I think, honestly, Princeton's going to have to get out and run. Like, they can do it. We know they can. Um, they're going to have to do it more than they ever have. 
this this season because like Princeton is not a team that is going to slow it down. They they, they just can't do that. They're too talented to slow it down against Maryland. And look, if you slow it down, you limit your opportunities uh, of shots and looks on cage. You've got to get shots. You've got to get looks on cage in this game if you're going to beat Maryland. You've got to do that. You've got to do that. And we know, we know, Logan Nowskis, Keegan Kahn, Eric Marvel. Like, I could go for days just naming Maryland guys, Owen Murphy, that have stepped up time and time again this season. Guys who, you know, have had a day. And it could be anybody on any given day for, for this team. Really, really could. So, that game, God bless Princeton. Um, I hope it's a good game. I want a good game. I think Maryland probably gets it, though. And, you know, I don't think it is a blowout, though. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's a blowout. I think it is a five-goal, six-goal Maryland win. If it was 10, I would say that's a blowout. But five, six goals against that team, some might say, oh, they, no, not a blowout necessarily, but they killed them. No, not really. Not really. In some cases, you could say that. But against a team like this, five, six, even seven goals, I think you would say, hey, that's, that's a respectable game. That is a respectable game. And I just want to mention real quick, and I've had a lot of folks message me about this over the past week, talking to a lot of folks about this over the past week. And I, we're not going to get on any high holy season, but um, Notre Dame uh, held this Maryland team to, what, three goals, lowest ever of the season, punched them to five. So, you know, I think if there is a team that can beat Maryland, it's probably, I know regular season, early season, it is a bit different, but I think both Maryland and Princeton have gotten better. Um, so, look, I'm going to give Princeton a chance. I'm going to give them a chance. I, I just can't see it happening. Rutgers and Cornell, um, that, that that one for me is a coin flip because, and, and we, we talked about the differences stylistically between those two teams, but they both have individual matchups that I think when they get in the six-on-six six are going to be exciting, are going to be fun to watch, and are going to be crucial to this game. So, if I'm picking that one, ooh, that is tough. That is tough. I would probably go, probably go Rutgers. Probably go Rutgers. I I just think they have. You know, when you look at at the depth they have, I think it's a bit deeper than Cornell at, at certain positions, and I, I I just think they're probably a better team. Uh, but but I could honestly see that one going either way. To be honest with you. All right, folks. That is it for today's episode. A bit shorter than usual. I'll be back here on Sunday to break down 
the semifinal games and to preview national title game, which will likely be Maryland and Rutgers or Cornell on uh, Sunday, on Monday, Memorial Day. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the lacrosse. As always, you can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. LacrosseBucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.